morning. Good to be here. We're going to have some fun. Uh, we are going to be looking and continuing in our series called Light the Way. We're going to talk about what does it take for us to pass on our faith from one generation to the next. And we're going to look specifically at the handing off of the mantle from Elijah, whose name means the Lord is God, to Elisha, meaning God saves. So what does it take to pass on a vibrant faith from one generation to the next. We had such a beautiful example up here just a few moments ago when we had many people fill this stage. Four generations of believers in the Jevic family that are passing their faith on from the oldest to the brand new babies and that faith is being handed down. Now, this is something that I am familiar with. Uh, if you read the email that came out this week, I disclosed a little bit, but... I, when I was 13, had a bar mitzvah. Um, I did that because I am Jewish. That's probably the best reason to do a bar mitzvah. And uh, just to prove to you, because some of you, you say he couldn't possibly be Jewish. Well, check this out. That's, that's as Jewish as you can get right there, right? You got the Israeli flag in the background. That's the first time I ever took the pulpit. And I was just as nervous then. And we have... Uh, this old man right here, Sam Kadan, the trumpet man. And if that's not Jewish enough, this was the cake at my bar mitzvah. <laughs> yes, I played clarinet. And there's a shofar. Nobody here has ever had a shofar on any cake. Except for me. Countless times. Every birthday, there's another shofar on there. Just kidding. But there's something that takes place during a bar mitzvah that is... Amazing. And I didn't really get it when I was going through it. But as I look back on it now, there was something that was just amazing. Um, I was born in an era where uh, my parents didn't take pictures of me every single moment. So this moment in my bar mitzvah was not captured for my bar mitzvah, but it was for my brothers. And so with his permission, I will now show you this picture. Um, this is a picture of what a bar mitzvah looks like. That's a rabbi. This guy right here, that's my grandfather, Grandpa Joe. And he is holding the Torah. There's this beautiful thing that happens. It's called Lador Vador. It means from generation to generation. And there's this sequence that takes place where my grandfather held the Torah and then passed it to my dad. And then my dad, who held the Torah, then passed it on to my brother. And then we take the Torah and they actually, we parade it around the congregation while we sing wonderful songs like Hava Nagila. Yes, we really do sing that song. Um, and so this is what that scene looked like on that day. And so we, we have the, the Torah that is being passed around. Um, people are coming up and they, they kiss it as a sign of like love for the word of God. And it's just this amazing picture now for me of what that looks like to, to literally pass on our faith. Um, just a couple weeks ago, we started Hebrew lessons with my oldest son because a year from now, we're going to have his bar mitzvah. And there's a new significance for me because I have somebody to pass the scroll to. And so it's not just going through the ceremony. It's not just... Here's the word of God. But there's something that 
needs to happen as we look at passing our faith. And not just, here, here's the faith, but a vibrant faith. And I've identified two things that I want us to think through and talk about as we look at the life of Elijah and Elisha. And so there's an outline that you should have in the bulletin today. And we're just going to walk through this very simply because I think that there's some profound things that we need to be considering. And the first thing that I want us to hear and I want us to understand is that it takes a willingness to be led. And we're actually going to start with Elisha's story, even though Elijah came first. Elijah was not having a really good time in his life. He felt like he was the only prophet that was still alive, even though God kept a remnant. Most of them were hiding in caves from Jezebel. (laughs) He comes back from his experience at Mount Horeb where God talks to him and says, here's your marching orders. I want you to appoint a new king. Here's a new general. And by the way, there's this other guy named Elisha. And I want you to say that he is your next guy. And so for Elisha, he has to have a willingness to be led if he is going to carry the mantle. And so we have to consider what does this look like? And I I almost want to say that I'm the next generation, but I'm, I'm actually now officially too old because we have millennials underneath me that are following up. And now there's even Generation Z, which they say is ages 2 to 18. So now I'm right there in the middle. It's really wonderful. Feels good. Uh, but what does it look like for us to pass that faith on? Go to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want us to see the call of Elisha and what his response and what his reaction was. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Elijah is walking up and I want you to just understand what must have, if you could just put yourself into the picture, put yourself into the story and what is Elijah thinking? He's looking for this guy named Elisha, and in 1 Kings 19, 19, it says this. He departed from there. He left Horeb. He goes on an 80-mile walk. He departed from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. He left the oxen and he ran after Elijah and he said, Please, let me kiss my father and mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him and he took the pair of oxen and he sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen, and he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and he followed Elijah and ministered to him. First of all, If we are going to demonstrate a willingness to be led, we have to consider what does this look like. And the first thing that we see is that following takes work. What I love about Elisha, and you got to think about it, if you are Elijah, Elijah's, I I don't know what this kid's like. I don't know what's going to happen. He walks up to him and he sees that he's doing the work. And one thing I never really considered about Elisha is he comes from wealth. They don't have just one ox or two oxen. They have 12 pairs. This is a lot. And not only do they have all of these, that means that they would also have some help. 
They would have workers out in the field. Elisha, probably belonging to this family, he's out there on the ranch. He could have just been supervising, but it says that he's with that 12th pair and he's out there tilling the field. And so Elisha has this work ethic. And if we are going to be following after the next generation, then it's going to mean that we actually have to work. Hand to the plow and we have to go for it. And Any of you who are in here today, you know that if you've had any measure of success in your life, it's taken work. Things don't just get handed to you, that there is a discipline. There is effort that is required. And so when the call comes, we have to be ready. And what he does is gives us this beautiful picture and this beautiful example of hard work. Elisha is working the field. And then Elijah calls and it says that he takes his mantle and he throws it over him. And it's this sign of adoption. He says, I am here and you are mine and we are going to do this together. And he says, let me honor my father and mother so I can say goodbye to them and then I'm coming. And so not only is Elisha somebody who has this work ethic, but it also takes some sacrifice. And I think that sometimes when we look at our relationship with Jesus, we think this is going to take some work. Over and over again, though, Jesus draws a crowd. And as he's drawing this crowd, he's not thinking, oh, this is really great. We have a big crowd. He's always dividing the crowd. Have you noticed that? I mean, over and over, you can look at John chapter 6, and they get to a point where Jesus says, where did everybody go? Jesus is saying over and over again throughout the New Testament, he's saying we need to count the cost. We need to be ready and fully commit ourselves. And there's a sacrifice that takes place. For Elisha, he kisses mom and dad goodbye, and then what does he do? (laughs) He sets everything on fire says the implements for the oxen. So today that would be the tractors. And then the oxen themselves. He basically burns it all, has a big barbecue, invites the community in, because that's a lot of food, those two oxen, right? He burns it all and then he says, in a way, I'm not going back to this. That I'm totally sold out. And for me, the next generation, if I am going to take up this mantle, if I'm going to live out the call... I'm not going back. I'm not leaving anything there. I need to run towards it. I I think about my own life and my own journey. And even my my journey here to get to Calvary. It's amazing for me, Steve, to hear that you've been here for 65 years because I'm not even close to that. You've been married longer than I've been alive. I hope that doesn't make you feel really old. But that's... uh, a piece of dedication. The, my, my journey to here at Calvary has been that I was at Biola and I was walking down one of the pathways and I thought maybe I had appendicitis. I was not feeling good. And it was this week where all of the summer camps had lined up along the path and they're trying to recruit college students to come work in summer staff. And as I'm going there, I'm thinking, I, I think I need to drive myself to the hospital. I'm, I'm in immense pain. And as I'm doing it, there's a guy sitting at the table representing Alpine Conference Center up in Blue Jay. And his name is Eddie Passmore. And Eddie Passmore, uh, he says, hey, buddy, 
you want to talk about summer camp? I'm all, ah, I'm on my way to the hospital. And he starts walking along with me and he says, what's going on? I tell him, and, and so he actually takes me to the hospital and everything turned out okay. But he was the guy who right then and there, he invested in me. And I spent the next four years of my life, the next four summers of my life, invested in camp ministry. Um, as I was at Biola, believe it or not, this is kind of a fun story. I had five different majors when I was at Biola. Uh, it depended on passion or the girl that I was dating at that moment. <laughs> I actually had a semester where I was intercultural studies. I was going to be a missionary because she was that cute. Now, <laughs> it just so happens that I kind of get to do today everything that I went through in those majors. I was a music major for a while. I was a psych major, Bible major, uh, missions. And so I get to do all of that today. So it's kind of this perfect, beautiful fit. And so as I'm up at Alpine Conference Center and kind of working out where am I gifted and what is God doing with me, uh, Calvary Church comes up to Alpine Conference Center for summer camp. And that's where I meet Suzanne Jensvold. And she says, hey, uh, what are you doing when summer's over? And I said, I'm going back to school. She said, how would you like to intern with us? And so as a 20-year-old, um, I came back uh, and I started my first day, September 1st, 1998, here at Calvary. And I interned with fifth and sixth graders playing Pharaoh Pharaoh every single week. <laughs> kind of do the same thing now, but... Between Suzanne Jensvold and Jerry Templeton, and those of you who've been around for a while, those are like staples as part of our heritage and our history here, invested in my life and poured in. But for me, it had to be a willingness to be led. And so I believe that all along the way that God has been leading me, and he's been grooming me for the place where I'm at today. And I want you to know that I love everything that I do. My dad raised me, and there's a big portion of my dad's life where he was working a job that he hated. And so all throughout my childhood, there was this line that was showing up over and over again that was, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And so I grew up with parents who were telling me that. And landed at this, from a, an intern playing Pharaoh Pharaoh to being a coordinator and a pastor, getting to lead children's ministries and children and family ministries. And then we threw youth ministry in there. For some reason, I'm also the marriage pastor. For some reason, I'm standing here. And the Lord has been good. But we're in a season of transition. And so I know for many of you, as you think about this transition, uh, there's a lot of different emotions that are going on. And I, I want you to know that as somebody who's kind of right there in the middle of all of this transition and in the middle of these generations, I, I have a feeling, I've tried to put myself into some of your, your shoes in your place, thinking that this church for 86 years has just been an amazing pillar in our community where God has shown up and done amazing things. And we've kind of been, I have been grafted into this. Many of you have been here since the very beginning and some of you just showed up for the first time last week. This is a beautiful heritage. And what we have is it's almost like there's this family heirloom, this beautiful jewel that has been carried for over all of these years and that we have taken this and we're handing it down to the next generation. And the fear is that we are going to basically hand this off to the next generation. And it would be akin to you taking the precious and priceless family heirloom and giving it to your college-age son or daughter. And they're all, oh, cool. 
I bet you I could get $100 on Craigslist for this. And I want you to know that as somebody who's kind of right in the middle of all of these generations, that I understand the value of this community and the heritage that we have and that we, I'm in the middle of passing this baton from one generation to the next. And there's this godly legacy that is coming out that we are working through here at this church. And I believe that God gets the glory for it. But the fear, the fear is, we're going to sell this on Craigslist for a hundred bucks. The fear is that somehow we're not going to pass the baton well. This is, this is what the fear looks like. Check this out. Even the best athletes in the world get it horribly wrong once in a while. So what happens when you take four top sprinters and ask them to hand over a 30 centimeter baton three times over 400 meters in a flat out sprint? Take the US women's 100 meter relay team at Athens 2004. They were favorites to win gold, but disaster struck. Team USA were disqualified when this happened. The baton transfer was just too late. Four years later in Beijing, another group of super fast women were dreaming of gold until they dropped their charts. Passing a baton around the track is pretty simple in principle, but doing it at light speed in front of millions can make for interesting viewing. They should make the baton something really precious. You know, if it was a smartphone, no one would drop it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to tweet that. Oh. <laughs> kind of cute, right? But that's the fear. That's the fear. As we are passing our faith and our legacy and this story on to the next generation, that the baton will be dropped. So for those of you who are in the upcoming generations, we have to have a willingness to be led. It's going to take work, and it's going to take sacrifice. I believe that when Luke, in Luke 9, it says, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That as we are being led, that we do that wholeheartedly with full commitment and we go forward. But also, if we are going to pass on our faith to the next generation, we have to look at what Elijah is doing and his story and for him, it was a willingness to lead. And I want you to jump to the next book, 2 Kings chapter 2. You're familiar with this story. I want you to think about this in a different way. Elijah went through depression. Elijah didn't want to be alive anymore. Elijah was having a rough go at it. But God was faithful and he continued to pour into Elijah and Elijah has the call and he anoints his next prophet. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, we hear an amazing thing that's about to happen. Elijah is going to be one of two men to never die, Enoch being the other one. God is about to take him up in chariots of fire. And so it says this, And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha, from Gilgal. What does it look like to lead? Not to be led, if being led requires 
following that takes work and following that takes sacrifice. What does it take to lead if you are the one with the baton and you are passing that to the next generation? Well, I believe it looks like this. Number one, leading takes telling your story. Elijah and Elisha are going on a walk. And as they're doing this, I believe that there's a conversation that's taking place. Many, many miles of this walk. And there's a sharing and there's an investment of this story here. And it's beautiful. It's this life on life thing. And one thing that we talk about whenever we do parenting classes, and we did this last week as we talked about child dedication, I always ask the crew, tell me about your story. What was the home like that you were raised in? How many of your parents or your grandparents shared their story of faith with you? I'm curious, for those of you in this room, how many of you, either your parents or your grandparents, they sat you down one day and they said, let me tell you my testimony. Raise your hand if that happened. Good, but not enough, right? If I were to ask the same question, how many of you sat down with your kids or your grandkids and you told them your story of faith? I bet you it might be about the same number. I would love for that number in here to be changed. This week, just change it. Sit down with your kids, sit down with your grandkids and say, we've never talked about this, but obviously you know that I love Jesus. Let me tell you how that happened. And so there's this conversation that takes place and and it's repetitive for the next few verses. In verse 2 it says, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here please for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. It's almost like this little test for Elisha. Are you going to stick it out? Are you going to stay with me? So they went down to Bethel and it says, then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and they said, do you know that the Lord's going to take your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Shh. Don't talk about it. They're making this progression. They're going from one place to another place. And it's kind of hard to tell a prophet something new. They know everything. Did you know that he's going to? Yes, of course. He told me. So nothing is lost on these prophets. And so from one place to the next, Elijah keeps saying, hey, why don't you just stay here? And Elijah says, no, no, no. As sure as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. I will be by your side until the end. And I want to walk through for you what is going on here. From each place, I think that there's something significant that's happening. And that first place is Gilgal. And so I literally, as we're talking about lighting the way, I just want to give you this illustration. In Gilgal, Gilgal is the place of beginnings. Gilgal is the place that after they crossed the Jordan, the Israelites, they first camped at Gilgal. They hadn't entered into the battle yet. They weren't at war, but this was a place of building up. And it's amazing because this walk for Elijah is almost recounting the history and the story of 
God's people. I would have loved to be a third wheel in that conversation. And so we go from Gilgal. It's this place of beginnings and it's about an eight mile walk. And they go from Gilgal to Bethel. Bethel, the house of the Lord. And Bethel is the place of dreams. It's the place of revelation that God spoke to a generation and said, hey, I want you to know that this is the future. This is what's coming up. This is the place that the patriarch Jacob met with the Lord and wrestled with the Lord. It was the place that God had become known. And so if you want to know what it looks like for you to lead, I want you to think about these places. What was your beginning place? What is your Gilgal story that you are telling the next generation? Talk to the next generation and say, this is how my story began. And this is where I first met the Lord. But then this is the place that God revealed himself to me. This is the place where God became known to me. This is the place where God got really big for me. And so for Elijah, he's getting to tell these stories. I bet you that he and Elisha are talking about what just happened back at Horeb. And so we go from Gilgal to Bethel. And they move on to Jericho. And Jericho is the place of victory. They cross through the Jordan River. They come up to Jericho and this is their battle. And this is where they see that when the going gets tough, that God always shows up. This is the place where they saw God do the miraculous. And so what are the places in your life, as you are leading and pouring into the next generation, where are the places that God showed up in a big way where you thought you were defeated and then God shows up and you have had victory? The next generation needs to know this if we are going to pass on a vibrant faith. And then finally, we have the Jordan. And the Jordan is a boundary line. The Jordan represents death. It's a place of death. It was the place where the pilgrims died. And these were a people who were no longer pilgrims, but they were people who had arrived at their home. For Elijah, it was the perfect place to reflect on all the ways that he had died to himself through his story. And so even as Elijah is sitting there and he's going through eight miles from one place to another, 11 miles from one place to another, this last stretch of the journey was another 24 miles. And they go through and they're having this conversation. And he says, the Lord is going to take me up. And so we get this story. And friends, this is how we tell our story. This is how we pass on our faith from one generation to the next. You can do this. You can share. Even if you were just intentional with the kids and the grandkids in your life and you just said, let's get together four times and let me tell you something. What does this look like to pass this on? It's not only telling your story, but there's an investment. And I love this, this question, this statement that Elijah asks. In verse 9, when they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. Ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. That's a significant question. 
That's a significant question. Is that a question that you are asking the next generation in your life? There's going to come a point in time where we're all going to leave this earth. God has ordained those days. But that question is a question that we need to be asking the next generation. As we are pouring ourselves out and we are investing in them. Hey, what can I do? What do you need to know from me about my journey of faith for your journey of faith? And it can be significant. I think that a lot of us, we just kind of dismiss it and say, they don't want to hear that from me. I'm too old. I'm too washed up. They've got their friends. I'm telling you, they want to and they need to hear from you. I'm going to be honest with you. When I first came to Calvary, I wasn't really excited about this whole multi-generational thing that we had old people at Calvary Church. I know. And then as I've grown up, And I see friends who are working at other churches and there's like these really cool, hip, awesome like college churches, right? Where like the oldest person, like the senior pastor is like 24, right? (laughs) And they're talking about, man, the oldest person that we have in our church is like 40. What we're lacking is just some wisdom from that next generation. I, I started to really appreciate the value of what we have at Calvary. This is kind of a really amazing and beautiful thing. But what we really want to progress with is that we're not just a multi-generational church, but that we would be intergenerational. Justin Unger, who we've heard lead worship up here before, he just, he, he paints this picture for me that I would love to see. He says that they have their old people with their college students. And he says, there's this guy that comes up to the college students. This old man comes up to the college and he says, I'm so glad that you're here today. You are the next generation. Passing it on. So I want to do this. I want to pray for you. Um, We want to pray for you. Uh, A lot of you came in and you're wearing a sticker today that says that you're a grandparent. And we just called it. We just said today is going to be Grandparents Day. (laughs) Hallmark can do whatever they want, so can we. All right? (laughs) And so we want to honor you as the next generation. And so if you're wearing a sticker or you didn't get a sticker, but you are a grandparent, that's okay. We'll get you a sticker, okay? I'll find a sticker for you. Come up to me. I will get you a sticker. Um, But I want you, if you are a grandparent, would you stand right where you're at? And I'm going to have Steve Esser come back up. And we just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Um, That you are the ones that are passing your faith on to the next generation. And this is a heavy responsibility. And so if you're one of those who are sitting, means you're not a grandparent, would you just extend your hand towards and reach out to one of these grandparents as we pray over you? And then we'll wrap things up in a second. But Steve, would you lead us as we pray? Absolutely. I am one of you as well, so I know where you're coming from. In fact, we had our three grandkids spend the night last night, so I know you need prayer, as we do. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this morning. We thank you for the awesome privilege of being able to pass on to the next generation, Father, that the faith that has been given to us, uh, God, we take that responsibility very seriously, and we know that it is the greatest blessing leaving a spiritual legacy in the lives of those behind us. And as grandparents, Father, we have a tremendous role to play in that, in investing in the lives of our grandchildren and in modeling 
for them what it means to know and love Christ and walking in faith and just being a part of their lives, having fun with them, and uh, letting them know that walking with Christ is a awesome privilege and a fun thing, God, and that uh, they, in turn, can do the same thing with their children one day as they carry that legacy on. Father, nothing better than to leave a spiritual legacy and to see the fruit of our faith uh, multiplied in the lives of these grandchildren that you have blessed us with here. For those who have yet to have grandchildren or children, Lord, we pray your blessing on them and that uh, you would just cause them to multiply and to pass on their faith as well. Jesus, we are so blessed to know you and uh, that you are our spiritual father. And uh, we love you and we worship you this morning. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You guys may be seated. You can clap. Go for it. Thank you, grandparents. But I want to just challenge you. This is not a guilty thing, um, but this is a a desperate plead, a plea for you to, to step up your game, to tell your story, to not shrink back when all of the kids are at your house destroying everything, to not shrink back and just wait it out until they leave. in and that you would step into that calling, that you would tell your story and that you would invest yourself. I know of a grandparent here who has a really busy travel schedule and whenever he is in town, he contacts his grandsons and says, hey, before church happens on Sunday, let's go grab coffee at eight. And they go grab it and then they go. And so that's a huge calling and responsibility to find those. And the reason that that works is that investment has been there all along. Um, I have a person in my life that speaks to me. Um, This guy is Norm Wright. And through many coincidences, um, God brought the two of us together. And Norm has been that that next generation that has been pouring himself into me. And when I get stuck, and I'll tell you, the last couple of weeks have been difficult. We lost a sixth grader in our school. And a lot of people are looking to me for some answers. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. And I call Norm. And so he's been this guy that he has a place up in Bakersfield and he has a place up in Arrowhead. And so sometimes we just go out and we, we sit on his dock and he likes to fish. He also likes to bake a chocolate chip cookie at 1030 every morning on his barbecue. It's bizarre, but it, it's wonderful at the same time. But he's pouring in and he's investing. And so I receive from that. And I'm willing to be led by him as he's investing in me. So that's our challenge today. That we would pass on our faith to the next generation. That God would be moving as we light the way. That that would be sent from one generation to the next. I'm going to pray. Um, we're going to receive the offering after that. And we're going to worship God. So I'm going to have the worship team come up. And let's pour ourselves out and let the Spirit of God work and stimulate your hearts to lead out and to be led by Him this morning. Lord God, we love you and we thank you. Would you nudge us? Would you give us your heart as we look at the generation that is behind us and we look at the generation that is in front of us? God, that we would honor you with our stories. 
Lord, we are honored to be able to walk through this life and to have a story and that you have brought us from the Gilgal to the Bethel, from Bethel to Jericho, from Jericho to Jordan. And as we progress and make our way through this life, Lador Vador, from generation to generation, that the next generation would know you. Help us to do that well. The beauty of this place that you've given us at Calvary is that we not only have an older generation, but we have a younger generation to be passing our faith on down to. So Lord, make us vibrant. Make us people who seek after you. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen.